Welcome to the Living Word Assemblies of God Toronto podcast. As the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Yes, it is the complete human experience. So relax and re-energize yourself with this powerful word. Sunday 
today. Are you ready for us to jump on and move on? Good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We honor your name. We magnify your holy name. We thank you. Indeed, you are alive. You were arrested. You were tried. Oh, no. You were crucified. On Good Friday, Lord, on Good Saturday, many things happened in the grave, in hell. You got the key out of the hands of the devil. On Sunday morning, on the Lord's day, you rose again. You came back to life. Today, you are alive. Let the resurrection power, let the resurrection spirit, let the power of the resurrection speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Strengthen us. Empower us. Bring healing to us in the name of Jesus as we hear your word. We thank you and bless you, O oh Lord. Use us today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. First Corinthians chapter 15, and we shall be using the Amplified Bible Classic Edition all throughout. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is from verses 1 to 58, and we are going to go through all. So I will read it now. I will read it as, as we go along. So today, that is what I am, the way I'm going to do it. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 58. So get your Bibles ready, sit down, relax. Even though it's many, or just divided into seven parts. Now Paul is writing this letter in response to a report from close people, close people about problems in the Corinthian church. We can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. In this letter, he provides apostolic guidance for dealing with those problems. These problems include, one, questions about Paul's apostolic authority in chapters 1 and chapter 4, divisions in the church in chapters 3 to 4, and then sexual immorality, and then lawsuits among believers in chapter 6, okay? And then questions about marriage and sexuality in chapter 7. And then abuses at the Lord's table, at the Lord's supper in chapter 11, but never forgets about questions about eating food, sacrificed to our Lord. And then from chapters 12 to 14, Paul addresses the issues regarding spiritual gifts. Now, these were very, very important. These were moral and ethical issues, with the exception of questions about Paul's authority. Now, issues related to how the Corinthian Christians behave. These were the things he was dealing with. However, now in chapter 15, Paul begins to deal with the with a doctrinal with a doctrinal issue. Alright? An issue related to how to to what these Corinthian believers or Christians believe. Now listen to it very carefully. This Paul begins to deal with a doctrinal issue, an issue related to what these Corinthian Christians believe. The doctrinal issue is the resurrection of Christ and how that belief undergates the belief in the resurrection of the deceased believers. Either they were executed or they died out of their own will. Was there hope for these dead believers? 
In chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul dealt with Christ's crucifixion. Now in chapter 15, in chapter 15, he deals with the resurrection. Both Christ's resurrection from verses 1 to 11 in 1 Corinthians 15 and then our own resurrection. Friends, I'm here this morning to remind all of us that Jesus is risen. Now because he is risen, you and I, we will also resurrect. We will arise. There is hope for us at the face of COVID-2019. Listen very carefully. For without the resurrection, Christians are hopeless people. Without the resurrection, we are, as believers, hopeless people. The Apostle Paul in this chapter recommends the gospel and gives a summary of it, proves the resurrection of Christ, and by various arguments establishes the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead and answers objections made unto it. He also sets for the glory that will be upon the bodies of risen saints and the change that will be made on living ones and concludes with an exhortation to perseverance in faith, perseverance in holiness, perseverance in the labor for the Lord. Remember 58, for your labor shall never be in vain. So this morning, we shall look at seven reasons. So focus on seven reasons why you and I must continue to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Number one, from verses 1 to 11, we see it clear. Because of the ear and the eye witnesses, because of the people, because of the ear and the eye witnesses of the resurrection. Friends, there were so many people who were there, so many people who saw Jesus, who saw him when he resurrected. Because of those eyewitnesses, we have to believe. Look at it, verse 1. Verse 1. And now, let me remind you, Paul says, since it seems to have escaped you, brethren, of the gospel. What is this gospel? The glad tidings of salvation, which I proclaim to you, which you welcomed and accepted, and upon which your faith rests, and by which you are saved. If you hold fast and keep firmly what I preach to you, unless you believe at first without effect at all, for nothing. I want you to get that this verse is not saying that you know if you believe, look at it, says, and by which you are saved if you hold fast. It doesn't mean that holding fast, okay, hold, the holding where with you. Now, what is saying the translation there should have been since you are holding fast. So it's present continuous. Okay, look at verse 3. It says, For I pass on to you first of all what I, Paul, also received that Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. And his anointing died for our sins in accordance with what the scriptures foretold. This is found in Isaiah 53, 5 to 12. That he was buried. He and he rose on the third day as the scriptures foretold in Psalm 16, verse 9 and 10. And also that he appeared. Now he comes back and he comes on and then reveals it one more time. Tells us the people, he lists some of the people who saw Jesus rose from the dead. And he appeared to Cephas, in other words, Peter. Then to the twelve. Then later he showed himself to more than 500 brethren at one time. 500 at one time. 
majority of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, some of them are dead. Now, as I'm talking today, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, all of them are dead and gone, but the records are there to authenticate the fact that Jesus rose. Archaeology authenticated, history authenticated. Jerusalem right now, whatever time you visit, will have symbols and pains, okay, but evidence of the resurrection. Now listen, after he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, the special messengers of Jesus. Verse 8. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one prematurely and prematurely and born dead. In other words, no better than an unperfected fetus among living men. Listen carefully. He says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not fit or deserving to be called an apostle because I once wronged Paul. It's, it's admitting his fault, his sin, his wickedness, okay, wronged and pursued and molested the church of God. In other words, oppressing it with cruelty and violence. But by the grace, by the grace, tell somebody by the grace, by the grace of God, by the unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am, Paul says, and his grace towards me was not found to be for nothing. In other words, fruitless and without effect. The grace of God was powerful, came turned Paul's life around. In fact, I went hard upon continuing to say that all of them, in other words, not all the apostles, but Paul comes with the humility to say, though it was not really I, but the grace, in other words, the unmerited favor and the blessings of God, which was with me. So whether then I, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what we believed. In other words, this is what you adhered to, you trusted in, you relied upon, you, you gave your all to. Now, the scripture we have read from verses 1 to 11 reveals that Paul is drawing attention to the Father. The gospel includes the resurrection. Jesus, indeed, according to the scripture, came. All right? He died. He rose again according to the scriptures. Clearly from the scriptures we read, the prophets predicted it. In other words, the resurrection was prophecy fulfilled. The scripture affirmed it as Paul related to it. And then the disciples and many, many other people witnessed it. Now, Kistmaker, Kistmaker in his book, in his theological book, page 48, lists 10 different resurrection scenes in the Bible. Okay, first of all, you remember, the women at the tomb in Matthew 28, 9 to 10. Mary Magdalene in Mark 16, 9 to 11, and John 20, 11 to 18. We are talking this morning about the fact that we need to believe in the resurrection. Two men on the road to Emmaus, Mark 16, 2, and then Luke 24, 13 to 13. Uh, 13. No, Mark 16, 12, and Luke 24, 13 to 32. Peter in Jerusalem, Luke 24, 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 5, and then 10 disciples. Luke 24, 36, 43, and John 20, 19 to 23. You see, these some of these people saw Jesus. Ten disciples, remember the ten disciples in Luke, in Luke 24, 36, 43, and then 11 disciples on one occasion, according to John 24, John 20, 24, 29, saw Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, 5. And then seven disciples fishing in Galilee. You remember them? Yeah, John 21, 1 to 23. 
11 disciples in Galilee, Matthew 28, 16 to 20, and Mark 16, 14 to 18. And then 500 persons, presumably in Galilee, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. And James, the brother of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Now, the first reason why we must believe in the resurrection is because of this myriad of eyewitnesses. Listen, the witnesses, the witnesses of the resurrection, of the witness of the resurrection, is one of the most well-attested facts in history. Jesus appeared post-resurrection to save us, as we have seen in the text. That was an important appearance. The account is found in John 21 and shares Peter's restoration with the Lord after his denials. Now, the second post-resurrection appearance of Jesus mentioned is the 12 disciples. The 12 is in reference to the original disciples. Jesus also appeared to over 500 believers in Christ. That is a lot of witnesses. My friend, my mother, my brother, my sister, listening, watching me today, wherever you are watching me from, from the, from the world, I want you to know that the resurrection is true. And I'm here to encourage you and admonish you to believe in the resurrection because of the eyewitnesses. Listen, in the book of Acts, you can see the boldness of the Christian witness. Look, they were bold because they had witnessed the risen Lord. They were bold. Bold because they had witnessed the risen Lord. The resurrection was not an issue for them because they were there. They saw him. They felt him. Some of them experienced him. Some of them ate with him. Listen, they knew the resurrection was real because they had witnessed it with their own eyes. Friends, could this be? Could our reluctance in preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, living for Jesus, be as a result of living because we didn't see the, res we didn't see the resurrected Lord with our own eyes? My friends, Jesus said, Blessed are you who have not seen and yet believed. I pray that today, because of this reason, this first reason, this first reason you and I will believe in the resurrection and live by the resurrection. The second reason why I want to encourage you to believe in the resurrection and focus on the resurrection in this era of COVID-19 is because of the truths available to those who say there is no resurrection. Look at verses 12 to 19. The Bible says, but now if Christ the Messiah is preached as raised from the dead. If we are preaching that Jesus is raised from the dead, the question is, how is it that some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So why are some people saying, oh, there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, because of the answer, you have to believe. Listen, Paul says, but if, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. That's the first thing. See, if there is no resurrection, then it means Christ has not risen. Are you getting the point? He has no reason. So that, listen, let's go on. And if Christ has no reason, then our preaching is in vain. What I'm doing this morning is in vain. Indeed, if Christ has no reason, then what I am doing and what you are doing right now is in vain. Then Christ has no reason. And if Christ has no reason, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is devoid of truth and is fruitless. In other words, is without effect, it is empty, it is imaginary, and it is unfounded. You get the point. The point. See, if Christ is not risen, then my faith, your faith, is unfounded. It has no basis, it has no foundation. 
we are even discovered, in fact, we are even discovered to be misrepresenting God. For we testify of him that he raised Christ. When he indeed, when he, they do not raise, raise in case it is true that the dead are not raised. Let me pick that part one more time. We are even discovered to be misrepresenting God. For we testify of him that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, in case it is true that the dead are not raised. You get, you get the point that Paul is making. If we, if we say that there is no resurrection, the one we are saying is that we are even misrepresenting God. Now, plain words, what we are saying is that God is a liar. <laughs> but you remember the scripture. There are three mutable things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Jesus is risen. Go with me. Follow me. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is, is mere delusion. In other words, it is futile and it is fruitless. And you are still in your sense. Listen, if he's not risen, then you, 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 you and me, we are still in our sense. Listen to what that means. It means we are under the control and penalty of sin. It means we will pay for our own sins if Christ is not risen. We are still under the control of sin. So we can say that, oh, the devil made me do it. But that is a liar. Jesus is risen. And I want you to believe in the resurrection. Because when you believe in the resurrection, the resurrection power helps you to live above sin. The death of Jesus did not only forgive you your sins, but the resurrection of Jesus gave you power to live above sin. That's why we are more than conquerors. Listen to me. Listen to me. And further, those who have died in spiritual fellowship and union with Christ have perished. In other words, they are lost. So if Jesus is not risen, if there is no resurrection, then all those who have labored and believed in Jesus Christ and have died in Christ, and we are seeing the dead in Christ, they are dead indeed. <laughs> they are lost, the Bible says. Now, if we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life, and that is all, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. Now, listen, the last thing Paul is saying is that if Jesus is not risen, then those of us, if those of us who are believers, if the only reason we have, the only benefit we have is to live on this earth, then we are the most pitied people. Now, this is the reason why I want you to believe in the resurrection. Because this world is not a home. We are just passing through. We are just passing through. We are spending eternity with God because Jesus is alive. Listen, the third reason is because it is the truth. Christ rose from the dead. Listen, but the fact is that Christ, the Messiah, has been raised from the dead. And he became the first fruit of those who are falling asleep in death. For since it was through a man that death came into the world, it is also through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. For just as because of their union of nature in Adam all people die, so also by the virtue of their union of nature shall all in Christ be made alive. Listen to verse 23. But each in his own rank and tell Christ the Messiah is the first fruit that those who are Christ's own will be resurrected at his coming. After that comes the end, that's the completion, when he delivers over the kingdom to God the Father after rendering inoperative and abolishing every, in other words, every rule and every authority and every power. For Christ must be king and reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be subdued, Paul says, 
and abolished his death. For he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under him. Under, under, under him. It is evident that he himself is accepted, is accepted who does the subjection of all things to him. However, when everything is subjected to him, listen to me, then the Son himself will also subject himself to the Father who put all things under him, so that God may be all in all. God may be all in all. Be everything to everyone. God will be supreme. God will be indwelling and controlling factor of your life, of my life, in the name of Jesus. Now, otherwise, what do people mean by being themselves baptized on behalf of the dead if the dead are not raised at all? Why are people baptized for them? Now, remember during this time, some people who believed in the resurrection were baptizing people, were baptizing dead people, because we're baptizing them, believing that he will raise them from the dead. Now, listen, it's not just the scriptures. It's not just our faith, because, listen, Christ is the truth. Look at the fourth reason. The fourth reason from verses 30 to 34 that Paul gives is because of Paul's suffering, the suffering of the apostles, and then the suffering of current believers. Why would believers suffer today? Why did Paul suffer the way he did? Why did the apostles suffer the way they did if they, could, they didn't believe in the resurrection? Listen. Listen to what Paul says in verse 30. For that matter, why do I learn, Paul says, dangerously as I do, running set risk that I am, I am, listen, in peril every hour. I assure you, I assure you, by the pride which I have in you and in your fellowship and your union with Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, Paul says, that I die daily. In other words, I face death every day and I die to self. What do I gain if Merely from the human point of view, I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised at all, let us eat, Paul says, let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we will be dead, according to Isaiah 22, verse 13. Do not be deceived, Paul will conclude his message here and say, do not be so deceived and misled. Friends, there is resurrection. Why will Paul go through what he went through? Why will Peter agree to be crucified upside down? Why will Thomas agree to agree to die, to die a martyr's death in India? Why would James, the brother of Jesus, allow himself to be fled and killed in that gruesome manner? Why? Friends, they believed in the power of the resurrection. In fact, they believed that Jesus rose, not just, not just that, but they saw him, they walked with him, and they saw him rise. And after his resurrection, saw him, they touched him, they felt him. Friends, believe, believe in him, believe in him. Paul is saying, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionship, evil communion, evil association, or a corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. Friends, Jesus is risen. Who are your friends? Do they believe in the resurrection or they don't believe in anything? I want you to change your circle of friends and ensure either change them or they are changed because of the resurrection power the resurrection life that you are living listen awake paul says away from your dragon of stupor and return to sober sense and your right mind listen awake to sober sense and your right and in your right minds and sin no more you know what paul is saying that this belief in the resurrection is sin against god look at all those reasons if you don't believe that Jesus is alive, then the first thing you are saying is that God is a liar. The preaching is not true. 
Okay, salvation is not true. There's no life after death. How can you behave that way? How can you do that? Friends, believe in the resurrection. Believe in the resurrection. For some of you have not the knowledge of God, you are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant and continue to be stupid. So, lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of Him. I say this to your shame. I say this to your shame. Paul says, the fifth reason why you have to believe in the resurrection is because of how resurrection happens. In, 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 in simple things, examples from nature. Paul is saying, just look at nature. Look at the way things happen. Okay? And then answer yourself. Bring yourself to the point of believing that indeed there is resurrection. Resurrection is true. Listen, but someone will say, Paul says, from verse 35, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body will they come forth? You foolish man, Paul says. Every time you plant seed, look at it. Every plant, every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life. Okay, that does not come to life. In other words, germinating, springing up, or growing, unless it dies first. Nor is the seed you sow then the body which it is going to have later. Okay, but it is a naked kernel, perhaps of wheat or some of the rest of the grains. But God gives to it the body that he plants and sees fit, and to each kind of seed the body of its own. Listen, Genesis 1:11. For all, for all flesh is not the same, but there is one kind of humans, another for beasts, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, in other words, the sun, there's the moon, there are the stars, and there are earthly bodies, in other words, there are men, there are animals, and there are plants. But the beauty and the glory of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, while the beauty and glory of the earthly bodies is a different kind. But God is saying, through Paul, Paul is saying that you know there are different, there are different bodies. Okay, if you want to sow, for example. Corn, maize, whatever. All right. What you put in dies, and then it grows. God gives it another body. That's what He's saying. He said, "Look, look at nature. It's very simple. It tells you that you have no reason to say I won't believe in the resurrection." Listen, the sun is glorious in one way, the moon is glorious in another way, and the stars are glorious in their own distinctive way. For one star differs from and surpasses another in in its beauty and brilliance. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Listen, from nature and decays. Listen to me very carefully. This body is perishable and decays. But the body that is resurrected is imperishable. In other words, it is immune to decay and it is immortal. It doesn't die. Listen to me very carefully. According to Daniel 12, 3. Now, it is sown in this honor and humiliation. This body, it is raised in honor and glory. Listen to me very carefully. It is sown in infirmity and in weakness. This body goes through sicknesses and diseases and then weaknesses. But it is resurrected in strength and endued with power. Oh my goodness. Believe in the resurrection. It is sown a natural physical body. It is sown this natural physical body. But it is raised a supernatural, in other words, a spiritual body. As surely as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Look at your neighbor's face and tell him, believe in the resurrection. Because look, as surely as there is a physical body like this, I prophesy to you, I promise you, there is a spiritual body. 
So you better believe in the resurrection. Listen to me very carefully. As surely as there is, it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, an individual personality, the Bible says. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-given spirit. I want to repeat that. Became a life-given spirit. What does that mean? It means restoring the dead to life. Jesus restored the dead to life. This resurrection Sunday morning. I don't know what is dead in your life. Maybe your soul is dead to the things of God. You can receive this resurrection life for free because Jesus is alive. Maybe you are hearing me and listening to me and you are sick because of the COVID and you are on you your way to your dead bed. If you can release your faith and believe in this resurrection power and believe that Jesus is alive and you can cry out to him, I promise you, I promise you, by his mercy, by his grace, by his kindness, he will listen to you and heal you and raise you from the dead. In the name of Jesus, listen to me, listen. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from out of the earth, made of dust. That means he was earthly minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven, Genesis 2 7. Now, those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust, in other words, earthly minded, and as a man from heaven. So also are those who are of heaven, that is heavenly minded. And listen, and just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, just as we have borne this image of the dust, so shall we and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. But I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot become partakers of eternal salvation. Flesh and blood, this flesh and blood cannot partake of eternal salvation, okay, and, and inherit or share in the kingdom of God. Nor does this perishable, that which is decaying, inherit or share in the imperishable or the immortal. So this body shall be changed. Friends, the sixth reason for us to believe in the resurrection is because you and me shall experience the resurrection. You shall experience it. Look at verse 51. It says, take notice, I tell you a mystery, a secret truth, an event decreed by the hidden purpose of the counsel of God. We shall not all fall asleep in death, but we shall all be changed. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I shall be changed. I shall be changed. You shall be changed. I shall be changed. We shall be changed. We shall be changed. We shall be transformed. In a moment, Paul says, in the twinkle of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call, for a trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable. Listen, imperishable, free and immune from decay, from weakness, from pain, from struggle, from sin. We shall be changed. In other words, be transformed. We want the scientific word. We shall be metamorphosed. We shall be transformed. Changed. For this perishable part of me, of you, must put on the imperishable nature. This, this mortal part of us, this nature that is capable of dying, capable of sinning, sinning, capable of sickness, oh God, must put on immortality. In other words, we shall be free from death. We have freedom from death. When this perishable put on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying put on freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture that says, death is swallowed up, utterly vanquished forever, in and unto victory. Isaiah 25 verse 8. So we, are, we shall all lift up our words and say, Oh death, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? 
Hosanna to Hosanna to protecting the slaughter. Now, sin is the sting of death, and sin exercises its power upon the soul through the abuse of the Lord. But lift up your voice and shout it. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me very carefully. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are conquerors, we are victorious. The final reason why you should believe in the resurrection is because your work will not be wasted. My work will not be wasted. Look, your labor in the Lord will never be in vain. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be fair, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, always excelling, always doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. In other words, it is never wasted, oh God, or to no purpose, it is never so. Listen, this last verse, verse 58, sums up the actions we can take because of the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus. Our belief in the resurrection of Jesus should motivate us, must motivate us as members of living world, as members who are listening to me from all over the world, listen to me very good. The resurrection must motivate us to love, to live, and to reach. What do we mean? To love God passionately, to love people, particularly during this COVID-19. Love people, show love to people, live the word, obey the word of God, and reach. Why? What are the reasons? First, we must be steadfast. That means we must hold our course and not let anything get in the way of our mission. Listen to me very carefully. Paul is saying, stand firm on the mission. Second, we must be immovable. The doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus is one of the core beliefs of Christianity. If you sway on this doctrine, the entire premise of Christianity falls. We must stand strong in the knowledge that Jesus' resurrection gives us life and hope for the future. Listen to me very carefully, then repeat it. We must stand strong in the knowledge that Jesus' resurrection gives us life, gives us hope, and gives us future. Tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell him the resurrection, the knowledge. Okay, we stand strong in the knowledge that Jesus' resurrection gives us life now, gives us hope for the future. Look at your neighbor's face, tell him the resurrection knowledge of Jesus gives us life now, gives us hope for the future. Tell your friend, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell him the knowledge, the strong knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus, the belief in the resurrection of Jesus gives us, gives me life now, gives you life now, and it gives us hope for the future. Thank you very much. The third reason why we have to do this is that we must, we must be abounding in the work Jesus has left for us to do. Now listen, that means we must be all in. Now, you are either in or you are not. Listen to me. You are either you, you either have faith in God or you have nothing at all. You have no faith at all. Because of the resurrection, friends, parents, mothers, brothers and sisters, we must surrender our lives to his lordship for his use. Because of the resurrection, give your all to him for him to use you because there is hope for the future. And the final promise in this chapter is that our labor is not in vain. Can I tell you something, my friend? Everything that the Lord uses you to do will have a kingdom impact. Everything. Everything. God wants to use you to carry out His mission. Are you willing? Are you ready? Are you willing? If you are ready, let me just remind you of what we have said today. We are encouraging ourselves today to focus on the resurrection. 
because of the reward we are going to get, because there is a reward for our labor, because of the personal experience we are going to have, friends, this body will be changed, will be transformed. You will be resurrected, whether you believe it or not. Okay, the, the effect is either you spend eternity with the devil or spend eternity with God. I encourage you, believe in the resurrection of Jesus so you can spend eternity with him. Listen to me very carefully. Because of nature, the nature of the nature of the resurrection, through nature, please believe in the resurrection. Look at the suffering of the Apostle Paul and the suffering of the Apostles and believe in the resurrection. Listen to me very carefully. You know why you have to believe in the resurrection? For Christ is alive. Okay? And finally, because of the witnesses of those who saw in Christ. Friends, I admonish you. Believe in the resurrection. Thank you very much. God bless you. Maybe you are listening to me and you are like, Pastor, I want to believe in the resurrection. I haven't really heard it that way. I want to believe in the resurrection. You can believe. You can believe in the resurrected Lord. You can believe in Him right now. You know how you can do it. All you can do is just come to your place where you are saying, Lord, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you by not believing in the resurrection. Today, I repent of that sin. And I say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for me, for me not believing in the resurrection. And I ask, Lord, that you forgive me of that sin and all any other sin that I've committed against you. Today, I make a personal choice to believe that Jesus is alive. So, Lord Jesus, you are alive. Live your life in my life. Live your resurrected life through me. Lord Jesus, if you can live your life in anybody this morning, this Resurrection Sunday 2020, I submit you. Live it through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, please send us a message. Let us know. Indicate for God. We want to help you with your work with the Lord. There are thousands and hundreds. There are people, okay, great men and women of God, who are there ready to help you this journey, this journey with the Lord, this journey of your resurrected life. Now, the second group of people I want to pray with are those of us who are saints. I want us to lift up our voice and thank God that we know this resurrected Lord. Lift up your voice. Give Him thanks. Give Him thanks. And say, Lord, today I believe in the resurrection. I have believed in the resurrection. I will continue to believe in the resurrection. Lord, because, not just because of my reward, or not just because of the things that I see in nature, but oh Lord, I believe because Jesus is alive. I believe because my the preaching is true. Lord God, God is faithful. Lift up your words and pray and say, Lord, I believe in the resurrection, particularly during this season, Lord. Live your resurrected life through me. Let me be a blessing. Let the resurrection life flow through me. Lord, let the same power that brought Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus, oh Lord, work a special work in my life this season because of COVID 2019. Now listen, 2020, sorry, 2020. Now listen, listen, at this time, I want to pray for you. All right, because we have to explain the resurrection power. Thank you for all those who have given your life to Jesus. Thank you, God, which bless you. It is the, the best decision I've ever made. Now, right now, if you are sick, if you are troubled, 
you are going through a challenge, let me pray for you. Believe with me that God will heal you. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I sample your word of healing. Lord, the resurrection power on this resurrection Sunday, I declare any sick person healed. Lord, by the power of the resurrection, by the power of the resurrection, I destroy the power of the spirit of coronavirus out in the name of Jesus. I break every look of the devil out. I command you out in the name of Jesus. I declare you healed. I declare you whole. I declare you free from the power of sin, from the power of coronavirus in the name of Jesus. You thou demon of coronavirus, I command you out in the name of Jesus. By the end of this resurrection, this resurrection week, in the name of Jesus, we combine you out and command you to decline. In the name of Jesus, Lord, today we pray for our frontline healthcare workers. Lord, protect them by the resurrection power. We pray for our vulnerable community. Lord, protect them and preserve them by the resurrection power. We thank you. We bless you for hearing, for healing, for delivering, for liberating. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you very much. God will speak. Bless you. And take good care of yourself and go out there and live a resurrected life. Amen. Thank you for your time. We pray that this message will continue to be a blessing in your life. Please visit us at livingwordag.org or whenever you are in the greater Toronto area, Ontario, Canada. This podcast is made possible through your generous donations. God bless you and keep you. Join us again soon.